When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live on tape from the Ed Sullivan Theater in New York City, it's Stephen Welcome to The Late Show, everybody. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. The big story. If you've been paying attention, I don't know if you guys were checking your phones before the show began, but the big story tonight comes from the highest court in the land because Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer is retiring. Yes. Yes, you heard that right. He's retiring from the court, but there's rumor he's going to be the next quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> he can still do it. They're a very, they're a very forgiving organization. This comes after a year-long high-pressure campaign to get Breyer to step down while Democrats still have control of the Senate, which included a billboard truck that drove around Washington, D.C. <laughs> that said, Breyer, retire. Yeah. <laughs> Youchers. That has got a sting. It's like if I walked up to the Ed Sullivan Theater and the building said, quit. <laughs> this means someday, someday. Someday, someday, but that someday is not today. This means that President Biden will get his first chance to name a new Supreme Court justice. Yeah, come on now. Come on. There we go. Come on. And in keep in mind, keep in mind, if Biden can get his nominee confirmed, Democrats will still have a crushing minority. <laughs> there was some reporting that Breyer was upset that his retirement news leaked today. But that was walked back later. He was fine with it. Reporters say Justice Breyer had firmly decided on his own to retire. And then an announcement was due very soon. And while it appears someone jumped the gun on that, better to characterize him as surprised by events today than upset. Yes. <laughs> somebody, somebody simply jumped the gun. That gun, by the way, has more rights than most women do under the current Supreme Court. <laughs> of course... Of course, Stephen Breyer is an old friend of mine, and when he was on the show back in September, I asked him about this. The last question is, uh, are you going to retire? Am I going to retire? I'm I'm eventually, I don't want to okay. die. Okay. What would you do if you did retire? If, if you could retire, or if this was the right time, what would your plans be? Like, what's, what's sure. fun for you? Not sure. What's Hiking, fun? woodworking? Cooking. Cooking? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're going to get a lot of really nice pots and pans after this interview. <laughs> So be on the lookout for Justice Breyer's forthcoming cookbook, From Torts to Tarts. 
how I left the bench and stepped up to the bunt. The bunt. The president's got a lot more on his plate than just finding a new justice. Russia is poised to invade Ukraine. So yesterday, Biden threatened to impose personal sanctions against Putin, including seizing assets and barring travel to the United States. Boom! You hear that, Vlad? You hear that, Vlad? You mess with Ukraine, you can forget the Putin family trip to Disney World. <laughs> He'll have to settle for the Russian equivalent, Turnip Town. <laughs> it's the happiest place in Russia. Of course, it all depends on what Putin does next, which is anyone's guess, as President Biden put it yesterday. You know, I'll be completely honest with you. It's a little bit like reading tea leaves. Yes, it's just... <laughs> it's just like reading tea leaves. Though for Putin, it's a pretty easy read. <laughs> so... The world's... Because it says... It says... You can Very just clear. read it. You can just read it. Spells it out. Now, so, the world's two greatest nuclear powers are toe-to-toe -to -toe in a high-stakes staring contest, but not everyone's pulling for our guy. According to a new poll, 62% of Republicans say Putin is a stronger leader than Biden. What is... What is wrong with you? Stop rooting for the other team. Haven't you seen Rocky IV from Russia with Love, Air Force One, Rambo First Blood Part Two, GoldenEye, The Hunt for Red October? Come on! Does... Does your cable system not carry TBS? <laughs> I'm not sure what the Republican criteria for toughness is. It is true that Biden hasn't murdered anyone with a cup of tea laced with polonium, a noose, point-blank shootings, or by chucking them out of windows. The only way Joe's gonna kill you is by repeatedly telling the same story. Yeah, I remember it was me, Johnny Fingers, Tommy Potato, Slapjack Popcorn, all standing around sharing a big bucket of mothballs. The year was 40-02, and we were staring up at the old Huckleberry Moon. Anyway, <laughs> Slapjack was a big guy, and he had these tiny little feet. When he would walk, hey, don't pass out, don't pass out, keep breathing. Keep breathing. Come on, wake up. Dang it. Lost another one. <laughs> it's not just that Republicans think Biden is weaker, it's that they're crushing hard on Vlad. Here is the last GOP Secretary of State, what's left of Mike Pompeo. Vladimir Putin respected us. We had respect for him and his power. He's a very talented statesman. He has lots of gifts. Mike, don't open those gifts. Those grapefruits from Harry and David are ticking. It gets worse. The poll also said just 4% of Republicans say Biden is stronger than Putin and 25% declined to take sides. Well, that makes sense. Republicans have a long history of idolizing Russian leaders. We all remember Reagan's famous speech. Mr. Gorbachev, I love what you've done with this wall. But Biden still got to appeal to the Fox News vote, and he's got a chance, according to this morning's Fox & Friends. 
America's ratings of uh, President Biden's personal characteristics, 60% of the country, 6 out of 10, like him. And 37% says he's a strong and decisive leader. If I was to pick strong numbers for the country, I would like it reversed. Give me a strong leader that's a little less likable. The Republicans' daddy issues are going to kill us all. <laughs> All of NATO is unified against Russia, but they better hurry because they're about to lose one of their members, British Prime Minister and man whose carpet matches the haystack, <laughs> Boris Johnson. Johnson is in real danger of losing his job thanks to a scandal the Brits have dubbed Partygate. No, no, Britain. Gates is our thing. <laughs> you have to get your own British suffix for scandals. Might I suggest calling them Prince Andrews? <laughs> so. See, that's, be that's better. Oh! That's better. It's honest. You're putting it out it's there. It's honest, baby. You're putting it out you gotta there. You got to put it out there. That's what Andrew did. He put it out there. That's hey. why it's a scandal. What is allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> so what is party Prince Andrew? Well, late last year, reports surfaced of a Christmas party that took place at Downing Street, the prime minister's residence, during the COVID lockdown in December of 2020. Then The Guardian released a photo from May 15th, 2020, showing the prime minister and his wife in their sunny garden alongside 17 staffers and half-empty bottles of wine. So the prime minister is going to get fired over a garden party. The only way the scandal could be more British is if PBS interrupted it halfway through to ask for pledges. <laughs> but... An album, an album. <laughs> Enya. Enya, tote bag, tote bag. But it didn't stop there. An email then leaked from one of Boris's senior aides regarding another garden party on May 20th, 2020. In the email, the aide invited more than 100 staff, telling them to bring your own booze. Okay, that sounds cheap, but even in the White House, sometimes you gotta bring your own six pack. Just remember the sign on Truman's desk. Gas, grass, or ass, I don't president for free. <laughs> Give him hell, Harry. Now, more, more allegations that emerged that staffers held two parties on the eve of Prince Philip's funeral. On November 13th, there was allegedly a party at Boris's residence. Then on November 27th, there was an impromptu farewell celebration for an aide, not to mention the recurring Wine Time Fridays. I didn't know 10 Downing Street was such a party palace. <laughs> Though it does explain that Winston Churchill clip. We shall fight them on the beaches. We shall fight them on the landing grounds. Hey, the pizza's here. I call pepperoni. Nom, 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 nom. People were naturally. Churchill. Churchill. Nom, nom, nom. People were naturally upset that the prime minister was partying while they couldn't even attend funerals. So Johnson went before Parliament to try to explain. I have been repeatedly assured since these allegations emerged that there was no party and that, and that no COVID rules were broken. When I went into that garden just after six on the 20th of May 2020, I believed implicitly that this was a work event. Mr. Speaker, when I was photographed snorting Molly off those strippers' buttocks, <laughs> you have to understand I was assured it was a work orgy. <laughs> a work orgy. 
Johnson eventually apologized. Scandal over, right? Wrong. Because 12 days later, allegations then emerged that in June 2020, Boris held a birthday bash. One member of the prime minister's party tried to cover up for him by claiming that Johnson was ambushed with a cake. <laughs> this is actually a very common thing in the UK. We actually have some footage of a British citizen being ambushed by a dessert. Hello! We got a great show for you tonight. Up next, a fashion update by style icon Stephen Colbert. John, John, uh, everybody over there, does anybody know, do we know what's going on with the weather this weekend? Is it going to be like a giant storm here in New York, or is that just more falderall to make us watch the Weather Channel? Giants. Giants, really? Yes. Yes? Okay. Somebody Somebody that is, do you know? Do you know? Have you heard? I heard about that. I heard it's going to be coming down out there. Yeah? Yeah, winter wonderland. It's not, you know what I love about New York is New York, for just a minute after a big snowfall, everything's clean and quiet. Yes. Yeah. That's right. I love that. That's just really just, it's just a little, little farm town. (laughs) Right, right. Yep. That's it for this moment. Adrian Brody's going to be out here in just a moment. Fantastic. Oscar winning. I love Adrian. Oscar winning Adrian Brody's going to be out here. Great. Amazing man. In the meantime, folks, if there's one thing I'm known for, it's fashion. From my light blue suits to my dark blue suits to the occasional light gray, I always slay. Which is why. I am just the man to catch you up on all the latest style trends in my segment. The Late Chic presents Stephen Colbert's Slay Your Flea. Welcome to tonight's Fleek Slaying. Right now, the hot new thing is being totally over that thing and moving on to the next thing, because among Gen Z and millennials, micro-trends continue to gain traction. These are cheap, stylish fashion items that are designed to last only until the end of the current season. And, thanks to global warming, every day is a new season. (laughs) Yesterday was damp ice, today is muggy cold, and the forecast for tomorrow is midwinter spring volcano. So what's the micro-latest? For starters, the big men's fashion trend of 2022 is dressing like a tween. Okay? That's weird. Also very specific. Excuse me, does this shirt make me look 12? It's our anniversary tonight. Do you have anything with Snoopy on it? This trend of grown-ups dressing like children is called kidcore. Fashion experts came up with the term by asking, how can we make the people who do this sound the most like pedophiles? Kidcore. It's a weird name. It's a weird name. Kidcore takes its inspiration from kids' pop culture and fashion in the 90s and the aughts. This trend is all about carefree fun and comfort, allowing adult men to conjure their teenage years. Perfect for the adult man who likes being a grown-up but misses acne and awkward boners. Kidcore is a micro-micro trend within the micro-trend of enhancing your mood through the wearing of joyful attire that is often full of color, textures, or patterns known as dopamine dressing, which is not, as I hoped, when you add some crushed-up molly to a bottle of ranch. Another, another, some club kids out there. 
Another micro trend is jellyfishing, which is the art of wearing your chunkiest puffer coat or bulkiest sweater with slim fitting bottoms to resemble a bell shaped jellyfish body <laughs> and tentacles. Remember, if you come into contact with someone while they are jellyfishing, don't panic. Just ask a friend to pee on you. <laughs> and now, this is what you gotta do. It's what you're supposed to. Don't rub your head. You're fine. And now micro trends are moving so quick, things are coming back that aren't even old, like the return of the hipster. Hipsters are back. And that sound you hear is a thousand young men in beanies telling you that that sound you hear is actually so much warmer on vinyl. <laughs> Evidently, the hipster aesthetic is about American Apparel gold lame leggings, sideswept bangs, Richie Tenenbaum headbands, and tank tops with craterous armholes that dip all the way to the hip bones, but the style is now going by a new name, Indie Sleaze. <laughs> kind of an off-putting name to give your own style. It's like calling your restaurant Ray's Disgusting Sandwiches. <laughs> and I want to point out, I want to point out, the hipster trend was like 2012. As one style expert put it, trend cycles have sped up to such a degree that the vanguard cool kids are now idolizing a time that was barely 10 years in the past. It's becoming impossible to keep up. So here to school us on the latest high-speed fashion trends is my writer and certified young person, Eliana Quartler. Hi, Eliana. Thank you for being here to help us slay the fleek. And also with you. Eliana, Eliana, I love that outfit. Is this a sweater there? Is that Indie Sleaze? Oh my God, no, Grandpa. Indie Sleaze is dead. But I was, I was just saying it was the hot new trend. And it was, until this afternoon. Keep up, Steve. You can't spell fashion without fast. Yes, you can. I don't. You went to Yale. Yeah, so did George Bush. <laughs> anyway, now all the young people are obsessed with this totally throwback and retro new style called 2021 core. 2021 was a month ago. I know, so vintage, right? <laughs> 2021 core is like insanely fugly. Like it's middle parts, it's squid game, it's saying it's a no bones day. People were so weird back then. Oh, okay, okay, I think I get it. So like 2021 core would be Crocs with low-rise jeans? Exactly, but unfortunately, now that you get it, 2021 core is over. That's, I gotta say, that's, that's harsh. Okay, the new hot trend that all young people are legit pissing themselves over is called eight minutes ago chic. It's dark suits, it's monologue, it's standing over there instead of sitting over here. Okay. Okay, okay. Okay, I understand. Clearly, and that sucks because the hot new vintage trend. There can't be another one. After that to here, we're up to the present. Which is dead now. The new vintage style is future core. It's whatever you're wearing now, and then you continue to wear it tomorrow, so tomorrow you'll have something to look back on from today. 
Then did you wear this outfit yesterday? Um, no. I wore it tomorrow. <laughs> Duh. Oh. Tomorrow. Tomorrow me thinks today me is so tacky. How, Eliana, how do you know what tomorrow you thinks? I am tomorrow me, Steve. I'm tomorrow me's yesterday me, and yesterday me's tomorrow me. And tomorrow I'll be today's me, and also yesterday me for tomorrow's tomorrow me. It's not complicated, Steve. Eliana Cortler, everybody. Coming up, Adrian Brody. Welcome back to The Late Show. My guest tonight is the Academy Award-winning actor you know from the French Dispatch, the Grand Budapest Hotel, and the pianist. His latest film is Clean. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Adrian Brody. Nice to see you again. Lovely to have it's you nice, here. Thank you. It's nice, to see, uh, it's nice to see you all. Wow, nice to yeah. see people. Human beings. People. Right. Human beings. Is this, one of, your, is this one of your first uh, crowds since uh, the whole lockdown? It's, it's the first time I've seen people. <laughs> I've, been, I've been locked They're down. Like, people are nice, aren't they? People are nice, forget. aren't they? Yes. That was a very intense clip we just saw right there. I think of you more of as a lover than a fighter. That was the love scene of the movie, by that the way. That was intense. Was that, was that a, like a monkey wrench, uh, like a pipe wrench you were using it's there? A, it's a, yeah, it's a pipe wrench, yes. Okay. It's a, it's a wonderful tool. Yes. Very versatile. Multi-purpose. <laughs> Multi-purpose. Multi-purpose. You know. I know. I understand that in this film, Clean, uh, someone very important to you was given an unusual credit for the mm. film. Oh. Who, who, was, who was that and why? Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, one of my dearest friends, uh, his name was Patrick Oldani. Uh, he was my stand-in. He was assigned as my stand-in when I was 19 on Steven Soderbergh's film, King of the Hill. And uh, we, we filmed in, uh, um, in St. Louis, and we've been best friends. My parents call him the good son, <laughs> which would imply. Sure. Uh, Obviously, yes. yes. And um, he's just, he's, he's been in my life for, forever. He's, he met his wife uh, indirectly coming to visit me uh, for New Year's. We used to have this thing. Anyway, Patrick's, Patrick passed away last year. Unfortunately, and um, it's, it is a loss. Uh, he was a wonderful guy, but he was—he uh, was kind of—he—he—he—he. Um, he, 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 well, we credited him as uh, comic relief, um, which was his request. And comic um, relief in this movie. In this film, yeah. So if you if you make it to the end credits of Clean, you will see that Patrick is uh, uh, assigned as comic relief for the film, and he—he he really was. Um, and he really held everyone up, but he, he was a 
pillar of support for me. This is a very difficult movie, and I don't want to. I don't want to di digress. You also wrote this. Thing. I, I co-wrote the film, but it's something that I've been yearning to make for well over a decade. And I brought on Paul Sillett, our director, and we wrote this together, and um, I made this movie, and, and something that I've been yearning to do for many years. And it was very challenging to make an independent film from scratch, very independently, and. Um, and Patrick really held me up. And one day on set, and Patrick was, uh, he was like a rock star. He was, he was very talented. And, and um, he, uh, it was freezing. We shot in winter. And, and Patrick was standing in front of one of our many heaters that didn't really keep anybody warm. The poor crew was freezing all the time. We were all freezing to death. It was horrible. And uh, one of the crew members looked over to Patrick and was like, hey, man, you're on fire. <clears throat> and he said, uh, huh? He said, you're on fire. And he goes, oh, thanks. <laughs> he goes, no, 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 literally, man, your, your leg is burning. And he, he had caught on fire and, you know, had to put himself out and everything. And then, you know, everybody was like, whoa, the, the working conditions are really terribly unsafe. And I'm like, <laughs> No, 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 that's just Pat, that's Patrick. You know, Patrick found a way to... Be on fire. You know, like, Pat was always on fire, you know. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll have more Adrian Brody, everybody. You've been doing this since we were really young. When, how old were you when you did your first professional acting job? I was, uh... Third... I was... I was getting jumped going to do the off-Broadway, uh, taking the train from junior high school um, in, oh, wow. the, in the East Village. Wow. Um, and what, what, what did you see? Like, what was the first sort of but I did performance you saw that uh, you went like, oh, I want to do that? What was the first thing that inspired yeah, you? You know, um, it's interesting. Uh, magic, um, I, I was obsessed with magic, and magic came into my life at a very young age, and, and that, that appreciation for magic, I think especially as a boy, um, it was empowering, you know? I could captivate adults. Um, and what I've realized in thinking back about after, you know, many years of loving, I was a professional magician before I was, before my day job. My, my day job was, I was the amazing Adrian and I, <laughs> would do a birthday party for 50 bucks. And no. I, yes, and, I, and I, I had a whole repertoire. Are there photos? Yeah. My... <laughs> and, uh, on a moment's notice, like, if you oh, were yeah. stuck, if you were stuck, could you still, could you still do it? Like, I, if I a kid do, was sad, yeah, could you go like, I, I'll be your birthday do. clown? Yeah, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm drinking at a party, you usually get me to do a magic trick. But, uh, we can do it. <laughs> it's fun. But, but I, um, you know, I realized that magic was the introduction to performance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you buy a trick, it's a, you know, it's a box, and you get your little pretty crappy gizmo in that, right? Sure. But, and the, a basic breakdown of what, how the trick works and some general idea. And it's up to you to be the individual and to make it unique. Mm. And, and that, when you convey that, and, and it evolves, it's like a, a, a performance at a play, you know? You, you do one performance and one bit really worked for someone and you're like, oh, that, that kind of worked and try it again on somebody else and it evolves and it comes different. Oh, that, that part didn't work. And, and, you, and that is, I think, opened the door for me to understand my relationship with acting and understanding improvisation and all of that. So I think that fed me a lot. 
And uh, I, I have a great. question for you as an actor. When you are performing live, particularly, and an audience is, you don't know how to, for lack of a better word, hook up your jumper cables to the audience, when you don't feel like that connection, what is the temptation to do and what do you have to do to actually make that connection? Is there something that you, some reaction that you have you think is the best one to an audience you feel isn't quite you focused You mean in on? a live performance? In live performance, yeah. This is the closest thing I've done to a live performance in <laughs> years. I mean, yes. I mean, you should probably talk right. about it. <laughs> yes. But it's, I got the jumper cables on. Exactly. No, that's right. I just, I, yeah, yeah, just, I, I, I deal with that all the time. You do, right? Oh, no, no, because it's subtle, but you want to feel like you're connected to the audience, and there's a, ten there's a tendency to want to muscle an audience. No, I don't want to muscle anybody. You don't do that. You, no, no, you don't do that's that. the temptation. What you have to do is actually relax. The odd thing is when there's there a, the odd thing is when there's a disconnect, yeah. right? So this is a very connected space, and they can hear clearly. And it, it's when you do an intro at an award show, for instance. Those and are always wonderful. Aren't they wonderful? <laughs> and it's like half the people are wasted by the time you get up, and you sure. got two seconds. They've written something for you to say, and then. You might think it's funny, or the, the writer thinks it's funny, and sure. you have to make it funny, sure. and nobody's paying any attention. And you don't hear it, and they don't hear you, and they don't see, and it's, it's this void, and that's awful. And then you really don't have any interaction, so. Mm -hmm. Next time, just do a magic trick when you go out there, just. <laughs> yeah, you go, and, <laughs> and the winner is. <laughs> Here, hold this for a second. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I really, I, I up because the, the, those are his notes and he won't know who to introduce next. And... We have to take a quick break, uh, but stick around. When we come back, I will ask Adrian about his recent role as Josh Aronson in Succession. Josh Aronson uh, in Succession. Uh, you know, I wrote you. I wrote you. Thank you. Here you are. This was this was mid-season this past <laughs> season. Here's this character. He's this other billionaire in their lives who comes in and punctures their sort of claustrophobic, you know, uh, terrarium of family <laughs> politics with your Olympic dis disdain uh, for them. I had to write you the next day. It was yeah. such a fantastic performance. But the question is. How many layers are you wearing as this character? <laughs> I've, I counted six layers that you're yeah, wearing there. At least, at least. Why yeah. so many layers? What's that choice? Oh, that's so great. And he did, he wrote me the, the loveliest note. And my, I think my dad appreciated Stephen's note more than my work in, in Succession. But, <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, it was really beautiful, thank you. Um, and, and kind. Um, that was a, a very conscious choice on my part. Oh, really? And, yes. And, um, you know, it's a wonderful, it was a wonderful bit, and uh, I'd love to come back and do a lot more to disrupt that, I, that power I, struggle. Yes. Um, because it was I endorse really, that, it I was, endorse thank you, that thank idea. You. It was really, um, it was very exciting, because uh, I love the show and I love these actors and I love the writing, and my understanding of the way a lot of these guys work, and the reason they're so su successful is that they, it's like a game of chess, they're way prepared much more than I would be, or, or maybe not you, but most people are not as yeah. far ahead of, uh, of the curve. <laughs> and those layers represent a preparedness mm. for the elements 
uh, and a, a previous plan to unsettle them from this proposed business meeting to end up taking them on a walk, to end up pr pressurizing them to see where they break down and that relationship. And uh, not all of that is revealed in the storytelling, but it's important to me as I do that and, and as I portray this man. So I wanted those layers. In case it's too hot, you take them off. In case it starts to rain, you've got a windbreaker thing that you could zip up, take the hat off if it's too much. And we were shooting in the elements. It's seaside, the character owned an island. And I figured, you know, he's prepared. He has hiking boots. They're in their dress shoes. He wears them down. He's in a position of power. Checkmate. The clothes make the man. The clothes make the man. And they make the meme, because I think a lot of people had a lot of comments about this clothing. And I was like, someone had this funny picture. Someone sent me something. And someone, it was very funny about him. Well, Adrian, it's lovely to see you hey, again. Wonderful. Thank you yeah, so much for being here, man. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Pod Show, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube.